Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host Sam Stern. You'll hear our voice each week. And welcome to another episode of Forrester CX Cast. I am your host, Deanna Laufer, and I'm here with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about some of Sam's latest research um, on success, excuse me, success secrets from senior customer experience executives. And yes, I have struggled to say that title <laughs> as well. I went for alliteration and it backfired on me, I think, a little bit when I try to say it. The good thing is most people will be reading it and probably not saying it aloud. That's right. That's right. So for this research, you talked to a bunch of um, senior customer experience executives, as is alluded to in the title. <laughs> yep. Um, tell us, who, who are these folks that you talked to? Yeah. So we reached out to a number of uh, chief customer officers and other uh, senior customer experience leaders, people who had um, been long tenured at a uh, specific job uh, in customer experience or who had held um, multiple senior leadership positions, specifically, though, in customer experience. And so um, we talked to people like um, Kathleen Cattrall, who was the senior customer experience leader at Time Warner Cable and then at VCA Animal Hospitals. Uh, Ingrid Lindbergh, who's held a chief customer officer position at uh, Ceridian and Cigna and Prime Therapeutics. And Jean Bliss, who held four chief customer officer jobs at Land's End, Mazda, Coldwell Banker, and Allstate Insurance, and has written two, soon to be three books on the topic. So we were going for people like that, who had held multiple positions at different companies, um, who had been senior in customer experience, and who have had a lot of tenure in these types of roles, um, either at one company or across many companies, and um, people who we really thought could have uh, could share, in part, some lessons learned uh, to us and to our audience. Yeah. In, in fact, it sounds like they're overqualified to share <laughs> their <laughs> they, lessons learned. They are. That is that is a good way of characterizing them. Okay. So based on the, the lessons, you, you asked them sort of about four um, basic questions, I think, topics yep. that a lot of CX professionals are um, still struggling with and trying to figure out. Um, the first one is is really who should own customer experience in an organization. So what did you learn about that? Yeah, and, and what we were trying to do in these conversations was say, you know, and, and obviously since it's a Forrester report, we write about these topics all the time. But we really wanted to get in and say, when you're applying these best practices and trying to figure out answers to these questions, what worked for you? How did you make that work? And mm -hmm. so the first question, who should own customer experience in an organization? Um, the, the sort of the aha from the people we spoke with was, it doesn't necessarily matter who owns it, because in some manner of speaking, everybody does, right? We're all responsible for the customer experience. And what we needed to do to be successful in our roles, this is the, um, I'm channeling the voice here of the uh, senior customer experience leaders, is we needed to have visibility to the C-suite and get them on side with us to have them kind of own customer experience, but also to um, 
support and empower us to take a greater ownership of, of the customer experience at a senior enough level. And so for some of the chief customer officers that we talked to, Ingrid Lindbergh, um, I didn't talk to her, but uh, Alicia, Alicia Bowler-Davis, who's the chief customer officer at General Motors, they reported directly to their CEO. And that was a, that was a big sort of direct organizational um, thing that if you could achieve, you would have real power and influence. Um, but for others, it was um, an Olivier Morieres uh, from Eon um, and then previously Orange. Um, he put it that he was really just looking for someone who in the C-suite could be uh, provide influence for him and, and really um, make sure that customer experience issues got a hearing at that level of the organization. So even if you don't report to the CEO, you know, find right. that find that advocate, find that senior level executive, and and you can still you can still have success even if you're not that direct line. Yeah, and and one of the other sort of lessons learned from these folks was, we need to make clear that we CX team, CX exec, do not alone own customer experience. If we get down a path where our colleagues believe that to be the case, we're in big trouble. Right. You, they cannot alone solve <laughs> all of the customer experience problems in the, in no, the company. No, that's not going to happen. Okay. So what, did, what lessons did you learn about how um, companies can best understand the current state of their um, company's customer experience? Yeah. So um, the thing they stressed to us first, and this was universal, is they said, um, we need to get grounded in the customer data. And if you're listening, you might be rolling your eyes at this point. And so were we at first. But they really stressed this. And why was this so important to them? Because, um, and I thought uh, Phil Beanert, who's the um, chief customer officer and CMO right now at GoDaddy, previously was the SVP of customer experience for AT&T, has held similar positions at other large companies. Um, I thought he put it really, really well. He said, the day you start working at a company is the day you lose objectivity. So you have to let the customer research and data guide you. And we heard sort of, sort of variations on that theme from the other leaders. They really needed to get in. Often, if they were coming into an organization, they were new or they were new to customer experience in, the, in their organization. They didn't want to hear someone else's version of the truth. They wanted to hear it directly from customers. So how did they, how did they get immersed in that data? Yeah. So um, uh, for Phil, um, he, Phil Beaner, he mentioned at, at GoDaddy, he said, you know, he collected all their research. He said, give me everything we know about customers, personas, any journey maps we've done. Uh, any research. And then what I really like that he did is he then created a place on their intranet where he shared that with everybody else and really tried to establish this uh, process around we're going to really look at this data on a regular basis and across our organization so that it becomes part of how we make decisions. Um, for um, some of the other leaders, they would actually go out and do original research themselves, um, really get not just, okay, well, what did this research study you did two years ago tell us? But what are customers saying today? I want to hear it directly from them. And then I will use that research to tell stories about our customer experience and to start to create a customer experience vision. Now, we recently had you and Maxie in the podcast talking about um, Voice of the Employee programs as a great source of data yes. for um, for learning about your current customer experience. Did, that, did getting that employee feedback come up in these conversations? Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, Again, I'll, I'll quote Phil Beanert here. Um, he was very quotable in these interviews. Uh, many of them were, actually. But he said um, he thought of this step as um, organizational forensics. I love that term. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use it over and over, I think, probably. But he, his idea was 
get into the retail location, the call center, really see and hear what it's like to deliver experiences from our frontline employees' point of view, and then establish that habit that you know we talk about that's part of a voice of employee program of going out and getting their feedback and establishing that you want their feedback and you're going to take action with it and you'll um, follow up with them to tell them how you're, you're using it. So that was a big step for a lot of these leaders when they got in the role was dig into the customer research and then really hear from employees what, what was really happening. Mm-hmm. I think most of um, the companies we talk to are measuring customer experience in yes. some way. But I think the the challenge is is measuring it in a way that resonates with people throughout the right. organization. Um, so what did you learn about um, doing that well? Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that, that the leaders kept coming back to was they wanted a number. They wanted a metric that others in the organization could quickly look at or reference and say, okay, I see how we're doing in terms of this customer experience transformation. That usually ended up being net promoter score, for better and for worse. I mean, it's you know it's a well understood number. It's one number that that helps. Um, and so um, Olivier Morieres uh, from from Eon and Orange, that's the number that he ended up using. Um, and they they were tracking. You know, they've they've I think gained thirty points in their net promoter score at, at Eon in, in two or three years. And so seeing that number go up, seeing it go up faster or sooner more in different parts of the organization, that really starts to act as a scorecard for them. And people can pay attention to that. And, and, and it's, a, it's a simple reference point for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is that um, some of the executives told us they really tried to, alongside of that one single metric that would track customer experience outcomes, would be um, a, a, a metric or connecting those metrics to business metrics that matter to the organization so that there would be no doubt that customer experience mattered to business results. Um, I think my favorite example of this from the conversations was uh, Kathleen Cattrall when she was at Time Warner Cable. Um, they undertook a big um, initiative to improve um, the customer experience perceptions for their, their high-value customers. There's about a segment of 2 million-plus customers out of 14 million total. Mm-hmm. And their goal was to increase their net promoter score, to increase their perceptions, the experience, in order to increase their retention. And by increasing the retention of this high-value segment that spent you know, $40 a month more than the typical Time, War- Time uh, Warner Cable customer, they were able to show that, okay, if we retain them and it turned out to be about three months longer on average uh, with the changes they make, we're going to see hundreds of millions of dollars in incremental revenue from that. And not to mention, of course, reduced cost of acquiring new customers if, if they're all staying a little bit longer. And so net promoter score went up a lot, and that was nice, mm-hmm. but more important in that, in that organization and, and sort of trumpeting that story around Time Warner Cable was hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue. Yeah, and I'm actually doing research now on how you make that tie between CX and business metrics. And yeah. one thing I'm finding is that not only do you need to, to make that tie, but you need to find a business metric that is important for your organization yeah. and resonates. So in this case, you know, retention for high value customers makes a lot of sense, but but finding that objective that that is important to your executives or your, to your stakeholders is is important. Yeah, I, and and you know, retention for them they're a subscription business. Every extra month is money 
and it's it, it's the way that their business runs. In other businesses, it's about you know repeat visits, right? If you're a hotel or a restaurant, you want people to come back. Um, other businesses, I, my favorite example of of where it's that's not the goal is is Safe Flight Autoglass, where um, the customers are really, really hoping that they don't have to do business that often with SafeLight. And SafeLight is fine with that. Mm-hmm. But then they really want you to rave about them and be a super promoter out in the marketplace. So net promoter score for them is almost a business metric, right? Because they know they're getting a lot of referrals that way. So this kind of this kind of feeds into the last question that you yes. had in this report, which is how do you foster buy-in and build momentum for customer experience initiatives? Yeah, and, and exactly as you're saying, sort of drafting off of that, um, connect the customer experience metrics with business metrics that the organization really cares about, taking that a step further, personalizing what's important about customer experience to different stakeholders in the organization um, was something that a lot of the executives stressed that they just they really got good at honing their storytelling skills mm-hmm. and their... Um, their customization of those stories to what would matter to different people in the organization. Um, Brad Smith, who's the chief customer officer at Sage, uh, previously was the VP of customer experience at Yahoo, he said, you know, I've got one version of my customer experience story for when I talk to the CFO, and it's about you know saving money, right? And, and I've got another one I'm talking to the CMO, and it's about um, reducing their need to acquire new customers because we're retaining more of our existing customers. And, and it's that kind of customization um, that they found, and they again, this was something that a lot of them talked about, um, really helped them get different parts of the organization to buy into uh, the importance of customer experience and to understand how what they were doing connected to customer experience initiatives. Yeah, because becoming, you know, being an advocate is, is such an important part of that job. And yes. So I can see that advocating differently for different stakeholders would. Um, would make a lot of sense in that case. Yes, and um, it, it perhaps in a, in a sort of secondary benefit helps with one of the things we hear as a pain point from our customer experience clients of, I feel like a broken record. I'm repeating the same message over and over and over again. So if you can do at least slight variations on that same message, um, maybe it make, feels stays fresher to you as, as you're figuring out how to customize it for different audiences. Right. Um, okay, great. Thanks for sharing those insights sure. from... Um, from those executives that you talked to. Um, Sam's report called Executive Q&A Success Secrets from Senior Customer Experience Executives is available on Forster.com and we'll put a link to that um, in the show notes for the podcast. Um, Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of CXCast and we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at dlaufer at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. CX.